Uh, well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us. Especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, man, we're honored that you're here. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Three times. Here's why. As I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my hope would be is that you would come back and hopefully we could be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review. Uh, honestly, doing something in the chat helps us get through some of those algorithms. So hey, let me know what you're eating for breakfast while you're watching uh, church. So uh, we just kind of give us uh, through some of those things. So we are uh, continuing a series today called I Love the 90s. And um, we really just uh, having fun with it. Um, how many of y'all know culture gives us things all the time? And what we type, well, I always tell people what you can do with culture whenever it gives you something, you have three options. You can receive it, you can reject it, or you can redeem it. And so for us, what we're doing is we're redeeming some of the TV shows of the 90s, some of my favorite TV shows kind of growing up in high school and uh, just kind of all these little things. And so last week, we uh, had the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I think was the best. So the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and so um, all of my jokes and who, I mean, most of my silliness comes from him. And so uh, he, we, we talked about the idea of adoption. And really what was cool was we, we, we found out that we learned, uh, really the premise of the show was that Will, you know, he was West Philadelphia, right? Born and raised on the playground is where he spent most of his days. All right. So he, he lived in Philly and then he, he was transplanted into a new family. And when he moved into the new family, he had a, a new life. He had new perspective. He had new uh, uh, possibilities. He had new purpose. There were so many things that opened up to him just by moving from one family to a new family. And that's really what happens with us with God. We talked about adoption and the idea that when we move from our family, maybe our physical family or our current family into God's spiritual family, may God does something great. And so we had that in adoption. This week, though, we're talking about another good one. This is going to be good. All right, we're going to take you back to a, a TV show that I watched a lot. Maybe some of y'all did as well called Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. How many of y'all watched Saved by the Bell when you were growing up? All right, 90s. And uh, some of y'all are like, this is crazy. Why are we talking about Saved by the Bell? I promise you it's going to make a whole lot of sense. But I'm going to take you back there. We're going to play the intro song, part of it, just so you can feel it and remember all the feels. Everybody say all the feels. Yeah, you're going to feel it in just a minute. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Here we go. One, two, three. We're going to press, press, press play. Press play. When I wake up in the morning and the alarm gets out of water, I don't think I'll ever make it on time. But as I'm a girl, I'm more sick. I get myself a look. I'm gonna jump in with the time to see the bus fly by. Right? Come on, y'all, ready? Get ready. Sure. That's right. All right. Cut it. All right. So now, look, I'm telling you, this TV show was great. And now here's what was great about it. Okay. So typically premise of most sitcoms, most TV shows, at least especially back then, was that you had 30 minutes where it was typically Zach Morris, because you know you had a bunch of characters, but it was typically Zach who got into some type of trouble. He did something wrong. And then they had spent 30 minutes figuring out how to fix his mistake, right? And at the end of the 30 minutes, everything was all wrapped up and good. Everything was just signed up for nice bow in life. And I wish life was like that, but it really isn't. But 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 what was so cool about it was is that you had somebody did something wrong. Someone stepped in for the person who didn't deserve it. Okay, wait. Wait, wait. I'm going to say it again. Wait, wait. You missed it. Okay. So, so somebody did something wrong, right? Somebody stepped in for the person who didn't deserve it. And I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, like, honestly, that sounds like a very important theological concept called grace. And so today we're going to talk about that. And uh, before we do, let's pray. Father, we just love you, God. Lord, I thank you that we're here. Lord, you're, you're here. And I know that, that today, Father, there is something unique about preaching your word with your people and gathering together. And there's something precious about this moment. And I pray that we would never come in here expecting. We would never come in here overlooking. We'd come in here grateful 
that you have met us right where we are. Today, God, you can move and you could speak to us. And as we learn about your gift called grace, pray that we would receive it, live with it, have a revelation of it fully. In your son's name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, th- there's a, there's a, a, a unique thing about grace inside of the body of Christ, honestly. Depending on what denomination you come from, you can um, be full grace all the time. Grace. Some, some people call it like greasy grace, you know, like where it's, it's no truth, but it's all grace and God covers everything. And, you know, you, who cares what you do wrong or right? And you can live however you want because God's grace covers it. And then there's a whole other side of the church denomination world where like it's all about truth. And they're like, you got to be, you better preach about that truth, pastor. And you better come up here and talk about sin and death and the grave and hey. Hell. It comes from your hell, right? Like you want to, you better talk about hell. How come you don't talk about no hell? Because there's a hell and it's fiery and it's hot and it's a long time. And so people come with me all the time and they have their own opinion based on where they come from. And what's so funny about church folk, and it's not you, none of you in here, other people, they will come up and they tell me things like, we want you to be this way because our old church used to be that way. And we left that old church because it was that way, but we want it to be that way right now. And I said, you left that old church because you didn't like that way. So don't have this way be that way because this way is this way. You want to be it this way and this is our way because it's God's way you should be this way that's what I my normal conversations with with people silly but 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 what's interesting is most people want to know is it grace or is it truth and um I know I hate to like burst your bubble but it's both John even says this chapter one I'll read it to you says the Lord became flesh and made his dwelling among us and We've seen his glory and the glory of the one and the only son and came from the father. And this is what he says. Jesus comes both full of what this is. Now, you and I think in 100 percent. Right. So we think, well, then Jesus has got to be 50 percent this and then 50 percent this. And then that in our theological mathematical, because we're so smart nowadays, we're, we're, we're he's he's one. He's half of one and half of the other. No, no, no. He's full of grace. And he's full of truth. And that the answer to the question of whether or not we should be graceful or a truthful church is the answer is yes, because that's really what Jesus is. So to grace, the idea of grace, let's give a working definition of it. Undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor of God. Now, listen. Now, here's what's funny about the story of grace. You and I love truth. Most of us are comfortable with truth because truth makes sense. Truth is logical. Truth is just. Truth makes perfect set one plus one equals two the problem with grace is that it's so unsettling and god's grace is so scandalous it's so messed up that you and i find ourselves struggling with this idea because what we don't fully realize is that it's the grace of god that makes all of this thing work anyway so if that's truth i'm gonna read a few stories. We're going to do an old-fashioned Bible study today. This is not typical of how I preach. Normally, I'm very linear, very sequential. I have like a three-point sermon. You walk out of here with something to do. Today, we're just going to do a Bible study with the pastor. Is that okay? We're just going to do that today. So Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 19, we're going to talk about this idea of grace. And so, okay, before I give you this, I'm going to give you some context. Jesus' full-time ministry. He's the biggest thing going on. He's got all the Twitter followers. His Instagram page is on fire. He's on TBN right now. I'm telling you, everything, he's everywhere. He's got every billboard on that you can sees on every church bumper sticker i mean jesus is making it happen and in luke chapter 19 he walks in and he does this he has this interesting interaction with somebody we're going to read about it luke chapter 19 verse 1 it says then jesus entered jericho and made his way through the town so he was not staying there he was planning on moving through it and i just noticed that if you can i can actually catch the idea now you got to catch this concept 
If Jesus is always moving and is on the way, there's something powerful about catching his attention. So just, just, I just want you to catch it. To verse 2, he says, there was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector in the region, and we became very rich. Now, pause. I'm going to give you some context to this. Anytime the Bible describes a tax collector, it's on purpose. Because they always, you would see, even disciples would describe, they would have like, the people who follow Jesus, and then they had the sinners, and then they had the tax collectors. Right. And so the reason they did that is because tax collectors were the people who betrayed their world, their people, their own blood for the government that was ruling. So it was Jewish people typically that were brought in by the Roman government to exploit and take advantage of their own people. So these were the worst of the worst. They were hated. They were not. When I say that they were the you don't like paying your taxes now. You would hate it then. Because you would not only be giving it to the government, you'd be having to pay a little side hustle to the guy. I mean, this is full-on extortion. They were, they, were, they were experts at it. This is the guy that Jesus sees. And it goes on to say that he tried to get a look at Jesus because he was too short for the crowd. Have you ever grew up in church? Y'all sang that song. Pastor Jason and I did. We grew up, we, knew, we know this song so well. We got, Zacchaeus, what, if you know it, sing it with me. He was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. All right, y'all, five people know that song. That's great. I'm so happy. Y'all welcome. That's why you got to raise your kids in church so they can sing songs that mean absolutely nothing. So it's amazing that you and I know this story when, from the song. And it's verse 4. He says, so he ran ahead and he climbed up in a sycamore tree beside the road. And Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5. This is, this is good. Okay, this is good. So Jesus is passing by the worst of societies on the outside because nobody lets that dude in. Nobody lets that dude in. And it says this, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, called him by name. All right. He called him and said, Zacchaeus, yo, quick, come down. Now, here's where it's funny. You and I, if we were in that crowd, we'd have been like, this is it. This is what I've been praying for. He's about to get his. I've been praying. Anybody ever done that before where you be seeing something wrong and you be praying and you're like, God, bless me and help me with this and God, take care of my kids. But would you on the side when you're not doing nothing, get that dude? Right? We do that. You, you did that on the way to church today when you were driving. Let me remind you when you were at Starbucks and they'd be taking forever and you'd be like, Lord, bless them with the flat tire or something. You know, y'all say stuff like that, right? So they're doing this. They're like, we're ready for you to get him, Jesus. You're about to get him for us. Go ahead. And then Jesus says something. By the way, before I get to what Jesus says, you should examine your heart to see if that's you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I can't. I don't know your heart. I'm not a heart surgeon. I don't got the x-ray for it. I'm really not qualified. But you should look at your own heart and find out if you are constantly looking for the evil of society to get theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Dramatic pause. Like, are you waiting to see, like, that person that be posting stuff on social media to get theirs? Like, when they just be posting about that political party that, you know, if they were just Democrats, they'd be right. Oh, if they were just Republicans, they'd be right. Oh, if they just said stuff about Jesus, they'd be right. Like if they would just, and you, you secretly, in the quiet moments of your heart, 
you wish ill on someone. Mm. All right, we'll move on because you don't like that. <laughs> Jesus says, I must be a guest in your home today. What? Now, in this time, if you had somebody had dinner with you, this was not you just having dinner. You and I can go to Taco Bell right now and sit next to anybody and have dinner. It really doesn't matter much. But in that culture, for you to have dinner at someone's home was saying, I like you. I love you. I'm with you. I accept you. We're together in this. That's scandalous. So Jesus... And you're like, Jesus, you're doing the wrong thing. You, you, you don't know what's going on. You don't, Jesus, you don't, you don't, you don't know, Jesus. Jesus, you don't know. You don't know. Let me tell you what he did. He go, no, no, I know. I know. Because Jesus is Jesus. He knows. He says, you come down. And he calls him by name, which, by the way, he knows your name. That's right. That's right. So he calls you by name. And he's, 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 it's like when Jesus is having dinner with you in that day, it's like him, say Jesus had a social media account, he shares your post. Y'all see what I'm saying? Okay, okay. Because people are like, oh, oh, I get it now. It's Facebook. Okay, yeah. Right. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus in his house with great excitement and joy. And you and I would too. Because he had never been, had no dinner with nobody. You don't have dinner with people. You, you know who you have dinner with when you're the tax collector? No one. By yourself. You sit by yourself, and he's, he's like, you want to, with me? And the Bible says that the people were displeased. And he was gone to be a guest of the notorious sinner. They, this, is, this is so, they grumbled. Everybody say grumbled. Grumbled. Yeah. Church folk got mad. Yeah. The ones who were supposed to get the dinner with the pastor got mad. The ones that were supposed to get the acknowledgement in the church bulletin. We ain't got no church bulletin. You want to know why? Because of this. The one that was supposed to get the pastor to his birthday party, his event. The ones who were the givers. The ones who served. They came to church every, every Sunday. Every Sunday. They liked all the Christian posts. Oh, and they, they, they gave to the Red Cross. They went to the Christian concerts. They didn't watch no rated R movies, Pastor. You, Jesus should be having dinner with them. Those are the ones, and they were stuck in what I call the meanwhile. Now, y'all don't even know what it is because I haven't read you the verse yet. Because here's what happens. While they're grumbling, meanwhile, everybody say meanwhile, meanwhile. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, look, I'm going to make it right. The very thing that they're mad about, Jesus is making right. Wow. Come on. Come on. And they're still mad. So what's funny is he says, I'm going to give a half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, it'll give back four times as much. The meanwhile that we and you and I get stuck in is you and I can get mad at God about what he's doing, who he's doing it with, how he's doing it, where he's doing it, when he's doing it, with who he shouldn't be doing it with. You and I are mad about it. We're still stuck in our grumbled state. And the whole time life change is happening. The question you have to ask yourself is, is every time you walk into the local church, 
You and I have an expectation for God, regardless of who you are. What do you do when God does not meet your expectation? You have to settle that in your heart before it happens, I've noticed. It's like having um, the, the, the storm emergency kit before the storm. How many of y'all know you don't go shopping for the storm emergency kit during the storm? Yeah. Yeah. You got to know what you're going to, you got to be prepared. Everybody say prepared. And they're not prepared. They're like, what's going on? This didn't, you didn't make sense, Jesus. You were supposed to hang out with the good people. You were supposed to hang out with the church people. Church was supposed to be about us. And Jesus responds, I got to get off of that because it makes you think too much about. Salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek those so you can save those who are lost. You want a summary of the story? Some of y'all maybe checked out. Here's the story. You can write. You can tell your wife you paid attention in church. This is what you, if she asked you what you what what pastor said today. Here's what you say. All right. You wake back up. Um, grace seems to go to the least deserved person. So Jesus has got some explaining to do. So I'm like Jesus, that don't make no sense. Because you have to replace Zacchaeus with somebody who offended and betrayed you yeah. for it to make sense to you yeah. of what he actually did. Yeah. Yeah. So close your eyes. It's going to be show and tell time in your brain. <laughs> we all have them. So let go of your pride. Who are you mad at right now? Who offended you? Who's on your no-no list? Who betrayed you? Who stabbed you in the back? Who hurt you? Like no one can hurt you. All right, open your eyes. Look at me. That's Zacchaeus. And Jesus had dinner with that man. So Jesus has some explaining to do. And Jesus does in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 20. He explains grace with this interesting parable. It's the parable of the vineyard. Verse 1, he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like, and if you've not been around for any time, I've teach a lot about the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, when time Jesus says it, is not about just heaven somewhere a long time when we and I, you and I are supposed to be a bunch of like floating babies with wings on and it's heaven and gold streets everywhere. And, and it, that's not what he was talking about. What he was saying is he's saying, look, you have an opportunity while you live on earth to bring heaven here. So I can give you the kingdom way. If you live the kingdom way, you can have kingdom ways and benefits. So he says, this is how it works. He says, this is a landowner. It's like this. It's like a landowner went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyards. I'm going to go really fast. So if you're watching this on YouTube or in podcast, put it on 0.5 speed. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them to his vineyard. Now, pause. A denarius was simply just a day's wage. It was a silver coin, about Roman currency, 211 B.C. It's not a big deal. You just need to know that that was typical standard payment. I mean, it's kind of, he's trying to be, he's being what they call fair. So he's being fair to them. About 9 in the morning, verse 3, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. Okay, so he started at the beginning of the day. Now he's at 9 o'clock. He told them, you also go and work my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. That's so important. Remember that, whatever is right. And verse 5, he says, so they went. Uh, he went out again at noon and then he went at three and he did the same thing and about five in the afternoon he went out and still others were standing around he asked them why you've been standing here all day doing nothing and they said because no one answered us it's not fair life is tough and no one cares i'm not it's Eeyore. you know it's like they're sad and so he's like well i'll help you out go work in my vineyard verse eight and he says when the evening came the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman call the workers and pay them 
their wages. Wait, beginning with the last ones, this is so important. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is all on purpose. Start with the last ones first. And then move to the first one. And then let's just see what happens with human nature. Verse 9, he says, the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So now this is funny because like if you and I started in the beginning and then they started paying the people at the end, all you justice people out there are like, this is wrong. You know, right? Like, is anybody already upset? Anybody's face? We got one, two, anybody else? Three, four, five. The blood is moving from your heart into your neck. And they're saying, and, and so here's what you would do, and I would do this too because it makes me mad. Because you're like, wait, either two things are true. Either this guy's a jerk, or he, I'm about to get paid. Because you pay this dude for an hour's work, what you said you were going to pay me, maybe it ain't. I'd be turning to my buddies. I'm like, hey, bro, like, it's not a denarius a day. It's a denarius an hour. We can get that special donkey we be looking at, yo. Right? They're about to get paid. And then um, it even says in verse 10, it, it, it says, because you think I'm like reading into this? No, it's what they said. So when those who were hired first, they expected to receive more. We're about to get paid. But each one of them also received a denarius. Hold on. Jesus, I don't like this. I'm already starting to get like, all right. And then when they received it, they began to, there's our word again. Grumble, grumble, grumble against the landowner. Verse 12, these who were hired last worked only one hour. You're not understanding how this whole system of working works. And he said, you have made them. And this is what's so, so interesting about the human nature. He uses an interesting word. You've made them equal to us. You've been born in the burden of the work of the heat of the day. They're like, this ain't fair. That's what they're saying. This ain't fair. So this is for you fairness people who walked around with the fairness doctrine. You know who you are. I don't need to point you out. But you're stuck on fair. Okay. All right. Here it is. Verse 13. But he answered one of them. This is the vineyard work. This is the, the owner of the vineyard. I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Daenerys? That's what we agreed on. He said, take your pay and go. I like this. I want. Everybody say, I want. want. Yeah, yeah. I want to give the one who was hired the last the same I gave to you. And this is what's so good. He says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? I mean, come on. If I told you how to spend your money which some of y'all think I do when I take up offering up at the church, <laughs> acting like the church needs your money. Just so you know, our, our boss gave you all your money anyway. The church don't need your money. I just want you to know that. Like, anytime I, God asks you for something, promise you it's not for God. <laughs> it's for you. So, so he says, do you... Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? How many of y'all have ever said that before? Or are you envious because I'm being generous? Summary. Y'all ready for the summary again if you're taking notes? Uh, Grace seems to go to the least deserved person. 
And as I read the Bible, the more frustrated I get. Because I'm a little justice driven. I'm a little like right is right, wrong is wrong. One plus one equals two. One plus one doesn't equal green. I'm sorry, culture. Just doesn't. Have you ever think like that? Like you look at something that's going on in the world and the culture and you're like, these people make no sense. And so I look at this and I'm like, this makes no sense. And, and I felt like God says, that's my grace. It makes no sense. And it doesn't seem fair. So as I close, here are some thoughts about grace. Number one, we don't want it to be fair. We're so upset. Look at it. You've made us equal. It's not fair. It's not right. I work so hard. It seems like they didn't work very hard. It seems like they didn't get in there. Why did they get to do that? What happened with them? I saw them on Facebook. Why did they get to hang out with him? Why did I get to go do that? I wanted to go to that vacation. What happened with them? Why don't I get that painting? I wish I had that car. I want that money. Where's that house at? I wish my kids looked like that. I want to go to that school. I don't know what's going on over there. Why don't I get invited? I want to be It's like, dude, like seriously. You ever seen somebody's post? They do like, like, it's almost like faux whining. They're like, I wish I got to be in that place sometime long ago. Hashtag just kidding. You're not kidding. It's your heart. And you're worried about fairness so much it's become your God. And, 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 and we want fair. Fairness makes sense in our kingdom. It's a terrible idea in God's kingdom. You want to know why? Let me prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. You and I make promises to God and break them all the time. I'm going to remind you. You remember when you said stuff? You and I say, okay, maybe not all of you. Me and like two other people. We'll say stuff to God like, God, if you just do this, I will serve you forever. And just put whatever you want in that blank. We've done that. We've all done that. And what's funny is God sometimes in his infinite grace, he'll do it. And then we'll serve God for a Sunday and a half. We, we break promises to God all the time. Yeah. When you said you were going to do something for God and you didn't do it, you promised him and you committed to him, and he's committed to you, and he's never broke a promise to you before, but you and I, and we think, well, I mean, I just was using really, honestly, he wasn't really, he wasn't really not the Savior, he's really Santa at that moment, and I just said, God, if you do this, then I'll do this, and it was born on a transaction and not relationship, and so you made God transactional instead of relational. And so because you did that, um, if God gave you what you deserved, we'd all be in some trouble. Yep. Yeah. Yep. How about the sin we commit daily? Ever been to those churches before? I grew up in that church where people like pastor be like, let's call out your sin right now. And I'm like, don't call my sin out. Like, call her sin out. Like her. You know, you just kind of like, you like sink lower. In. You never wanted the pastor to get you in the eyes, right? You just never looked at the, but you always, y'all always looked at the pastor's shoulder. So I never wanted him to see that I was paying attention. Like I was following him, but I didn't want him to get eye contact because I felt like if he, because we had the pastor that would call you. I'd be like, you stand up, sir. I'm like, no, I don't want that to happen to me. But that's not this church, so you should just think about it. The sin that you commit daily, 
the people that you hurt daily, the unnecessary pain that you cause daily, that if God in his infinite wisdom, if he gave you what you deserve, we'd all be in some trouble. We don't want, we don't, I promise you, you don't want God to be fair. We do some terrible things. When I was a teenager, I met my wife when I was 15. And teenagers, just so you know, scientifically, half your brain doesn't work. And so um, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I was like telling people, I'm like, you need to understand. Like, you know, parents, the worst thing you can tell your teenagers is like, why did you make that decision? Like, what were you thinking? They weren't. They're teenagers. Parts of their brains don't work. That's why you don't let them make decisions for their life without your counsel. I'm an old youth pastor. I got a lot to say about that. Anyway, 15 years old, dating my wife. She's amazing. And we had the most dysfunctional relationship. I would start dating her and I'd break up with her. I started dating her and I'd break up with her. I started dating her and I'd break up with her. We did that so much that I lost count. I'm a t- I was a terrible person as a teenager. I was terrible. The last, one of the, one of the, one of the last times that, that I broke up with her was, I'm not kidding you, after Wednesday night church, we used to have church like every night. Like we were at church all the time. I always grew up in church. This is church. And Wednesday night, had church, after church. And I, I, you wonder why I broke up with her? I, was, I don't know. I was, bad pizza, I guess. I don't know. I didn't have a real reason. I was like, eh, I'm done. Outside of church. Outside of church. Everybody's gone. Hey, you know, you want to go grab some food or something like that? I said, hey, you know, honestly, I, this isn't working out. Uh, let's just break up. Left her. By herself, and it was like if I could picture. Okay, go there with me. Okay, think of a movie, movie, a movie thing. Wait, hold on. Wait, don't don't shout me down yet. Hold on. Like people revolting in the front row. So so, don't get up yet. Okay, wait. So I walk away. It's raining. It's nighttime, and she's under the one street lamp that we have. So think of the street lamp under there, and she's she's literally bawling her eyes out and I get in the car I close the door and I look at her and she's like and I'm like I drive off and we had a car we had a we had a tree a church so the church was right here you'd had to drive out and then drive back around her and I couldn't drive away without driving past her so I'm driving out and driving around her and I was like She's literally standing under the... If I'm lying, I'm dying. I swear to you, that's the truth. That's a true story. I'm driving away. I, I, I drove away, and I left her there in the rain by herself. Y'all, if we got what we... I'm trying to bring you reality. You forgot how bad it is without God. You are not the hero to your story. You are the villain. Jesus is the hero. It's worse than you think. This is like an encouraging message. (laughs) I'm trying to show you how bad it is to reveal to you how good his grace is. I I just, I want you to see it. If we got what we deserve, if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't have my wife. So fair is a terrible idea. You want grace. That's better. You want grace-driven marriages. You don't want fair marriages. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You want grace-driven kids. You don't want fairness in your kids. You're like, well, I wasn't like that as a kid. You were worse. You forgot. 
You didn't pay for it like your parents paid for it. You want grace-driven families. You want grace-driven jobs. You want grace-driven friendships. You want grace-driven uh, uh, workplaces. You want, you want grace-driven churches. Yes. 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 You don't want this church to be fair. That's right. 8%, I think is the statistic, close to 8%. On average, 8% of the church pays for 100% of what people experience. Wow. Whoa. Wow. You don't want fair. You don't want God to be fair. You just don't. Trust me. Trust me. You want the church to be grace. I'm great. What's grace, church? Second thing. Do you want to be fair? Second thing. Remember, it's only unfair to God. Yeah. It's not unfair yeah. to you. Yeah. For all you justice, fairness people. <laughs> he says this, and I'm done. Don't I have the right to do what I want, Mom? Shouldn't I do that? It's God's grace in the first place. It ain't yours. He don't need somebody to defend it. He's not worried about it. There's not a limited supply. He has the right to give it to who he wants. The other day I was um, I was feeding my children. And um, dinner time's a unique thing. I have five young boys, 13 on down to four. They're all different levels. So it's just, you know, my kids now, my twins, uh, 13-year-old boys, they now don't know where, uh, like, they don't know how to stop eating. And the four-year-old doesn't know how to start eating. And then I have, like, the range in between. So my twins will eat, and they're done in, like, two minutes. No matter what we have. It's like we have to make two dinners for them. We make our dinner, and then we make pasta on the back end to fill them up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Teenagers, hello. So they eat a lot. But my little four-year-old son, he, we were eating chicken nuggets, and I said, I told, I told my boys, I said, hey, if we finish our dinner, we'll eat ice cream. We'll eat ice cream. Everybody gets ice cream. Finish dinner. My kids ate dinner so fast, they were like, this is amazing. This is great. My son, my four-year-old son, he's like the slowest eater in the history of slow eaters. He grabs, this is how he eats. I'm not even kidding you. He'll go like this. He'll look at it. He'll lick it. Start eating like a chipmunk. He'll, he'll, he'll eat it, then take it out of his mouth. I'm like, that's gross. Put it back in his mouth. And I'm like, can you just eat like a normal person, Winston? Please, just eat. Please, please, just eat. And that you, y'all are just start negotiating with your kids, like when they're trying to eat food. You know, like, look, money is money. You want money? Is that what you want? I'll give you money. Money. Whatever you, whatever. I'll get whatever. Just eat your chicken nuggets. I'm trying to convince my kid to eat three chicken nuggets so I can give him a whole pound of ice cream. It doesn't make sense. But I just want him to eat. It's two and a half hours past our dinner time. My kids are like, when are we gonna eat ice cream, Dad? I'm like, all right, let's eat ice cream. So we're all eating ice cream. And it gets to that time where Winston is still eating his chicken nuggets. And I said this, I said this, I said, I said, here you go, Winston, you can have ice cream. And Winston goes, <gasps> like, you know, he won. Like he had figured it out the system and he won. He's like, this is the best. I don't have to eat food. And at that point, I'm like, you don't. You don't ever have to eat food. You can eat ice cream all you want. I don't care. But my son Judah walks up to me and he goes, that's not fair. Yeah. Wow. That's real. He said, that's not fair, Dad. That's real. 
I ate my chicken nuggets. You said you had to eat chicken nuggets before you can eat ice cream. I ate my chicken nuggets. Winston didn't eat his chicken nuggets. He had a whole dissertation down. <laughs> I said, come here, boy. I got down on his level. Did you buy the ice cream? No, no, sir. Did you buy the chicken nuggets? No, sir. Whose ice cream is it, Judah? Yours, Daddy. I said, come here. Come here. Come here. I leaned in really close, dramatic-like. I could give ice cream to whoever I want to give ice cream to. He said, well, that's not fair. I said, you forget two weeks ago. We were eating um, spaghetti. And you said, Dad, I don't like spaghetti. And I told everybody they could have a cookie. And Mom wasn't around, so I just gave you a cookie. (laughs) Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, Daddy, I remember that. Careful you don't go to God saying, you don't give them grace. Yeah, yep. You know, you don't know what they did. They didn't earn it. What's funny, the whole thing about grace is go back to what we talked about. What is it? It's unearned. It's unmerited. It scandalous as all get out. And I'll prove it to you. The final story is the story where Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, if you're a justice person in here, you're just going to not come back to this church after this. (laughs) You take this whole scripture out of your Bible and he's hanging on the cross between two criminals who were the worst of the worst, which by the way, the Romans never invented crucifixion. Actually, the Persians invented it. The Romans just perfected it. And you didn't crucify people who were common thieves. You crucified the worst of the worst. These were maximum security people that deserved death. One named Dismas, one named Gestas. Gestas starts us out. 23 verse 37, he says, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. He wasn't asking him to save Jesus. He was asking him to save himself. And when the criminals hanging beside himself said, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself, you're us too, while you're at it. And verse 40 says, but the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? This is now Dismas. Even when you've been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, no, I haven't seen your giving statement yet. Uh, you, I don't know if you go to church. I mean, do you even believe in my denomination? I mean, like, we're in, we're in a denomination here. So, like, if you're not AG, like, we're AG. If you're not Pentecostal, like, we're Pentecostal. If you're not Catholic, like, we're Catholic. If you're not Lutheran, like, we're Lutheran. It does not matter. You realize. So Jesus is walking through all the limitations of the reason he can't be in paradise with him. Oh, I misread it. Oh, he said... a. Sh- I assure you, some translations say amen, like he's agreeing with him. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Grace, summary, summary, 
Grace goes to the least deserved person. Okay, why I tell you all that? Here's why I tell you all that. The only, tra- the, the only way you can really live in the revelation of grace is to know that you and I are that criminal. Let me remind you, you are not the hero of your story. You are the villain. Jesus is the hero. And so here's what happens. When you see yourself, because here's why, I'll prove it to you. True or not, you're going to sin again. You'll sin, to the, you'll sin tomorrow. You'll sin again. Yep. You'll sin till the yep. very moment where you will be. Here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. You and I look at him and go, why him, God? I lived my whole life good. And this dude lived his whole life bad. And he skirted right in. And that's where you got it wrong. You didn't live your whole life good. Yeah. That you and I, at the end of the day, are that criminal. And we will be saved by the bell just like him. Yeah. We'll skirt right in. I always tell people, like, y'all want to come to a church that, like, where the pastor's barely going to make it? This is it. (laughs) So if that's you, you're going to be just fine. The truth of the matter is, though, and I joke about that, but here's the truth. That's everybody. We're all going to, right before the gates close and Paul's standing there with his ledger, we're going to be like, whoo, we made it. And Paul's going to be like, you did Good. I mean, you did it, man. That's powerful. God is good, isn't he? And we're going to be like, He's, yes, yes. So the next time you and I look at someone and say they don't deserve it, remember, you didn't either. And that by definition, grace is scandalous and it's the worst ever. And here's the greatest part. So let's say you're in here and you don't know God. Maybe you've never made a real commitment to him. There's nothing standing in your way. But you making a decision to say, okay. Okay, Jesus. Apparently, you paid for this thing already. And I can rest in that. Saved by the bell. We're all saved by the bell. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. You love your children. You love me. You love your people. And I'm grateful that I did not deserve it or earn it but you gave it to me anyway thank you for the goodness and the grace of God thank you for the grace of God thank you for the grace of God I love that song amazing grace how sweet the sound you saved a wretch like me I was that prisoner once was lost now I'm found thank you Jesus for your blood that washes away all my sins you make me white as snow that you find me in the very deepest darkest parts of my heart that you know me better than anybody and you love me more than anybody thank you for the grace of God Help us to walk in that revelation today. In Jesus' name.